Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. I was debating all day today on what I needed to share. And it's always one of those things that Pastor Crystal is getting to minister to the youth tonight, filling for Pastor Ashley. And so she's been talking to me, I mean, all week about what the Lord put on her heart and what she's going to be ministering to them and sharing them and the games they're going to be playing. She's like, what do you got? I'm like, we'll find out. I don't know. And so I've been sitting there and I've been going through and just writing notes down on my phone and going and saying, Lord, what do you want to minister? What do you want to speak? So I got all these notes down on my phone. I'm looking at them. I go to work today and I'm praying. I'm just spending some time with the Lord at work. And I'm, all right, Lord, I'd really love to have a message like by lunch. That'd be awesome. Then all of a sudden I get up here this evening and I'm sitting there. I'm going, all right, Lord, I'd really like to have a message. And so finally, I'm sitting there and I've been praying and just spending time with the Holy Spirit. And I get up here and get in the sound booth, turn on some worship music. And this message that I heard about two years ago pops up in my spirit. And I'm like, really? You really want me to go there? And so I honestly believe that's what the Holy Spirit wants. And so we're going to turn over to Joshua chapter one. And so we're going to be looking at tonight, don't stop now. And the biggest challenge that we face, especially in today's society, is that, and it's so funny because I was just talking to Joshua and James right before service talking about work. What they didn't know is that I was going to be ministering half of that. But too many times in today's society, when things get hard, people give up. And especially in the church, they sit there and they go, man, well, if it was really God, then I wouldn't have to struggle this hard. I wouldn't be going through this trial. Maybe it's not God, but maybe it is God. Maybe you're just in a test because the Bible talks about in James, the testing of your faith. And so we're going to look there tonight. We'll wrap it up there. But you got to understand that the kingdom lifestyle is not this easy peasy, lemon squeezy lifestyle. But it talks about how the kingdom suffers violent and the violent take it by force. It's not a little pansy game. It's something that you have to be very diligent to endure, to conquer to the end. That's why I'm wearing this. You see this? Conquer. Because the whole fact is that we have too many people that are being conquered instead of being conquerors. And so we're going to look over here at Joshua chapter 1. But in Deuteronomy, obviously, we see that the nation of Israel comes out of captivity. Moses is now bringing them through the wilderness. We know the story, backstory of they go, and God says, send spies. They send 12 spies into the land. God sends them into the land that they are going to take over. He says, this is your property. He gets into the property, and they come back, and they bring a report, and they say, it's exactly as God said it was. They said, man, look at the spoils that we brought. Everything is awesome. But then we have 10 of them that say, but we got one problem. There's some people, and they are huge. There's some big people. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. And so Pastor Mark's done a phenomenal job ministering on Joshua and going through those things. And I encourage you to go back and listen to him online. But we know that Joshua and Caleb stood up and that they were the only two to stand on what God had promised and what God had told them and said, no, 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 we are well able. We can do this. We can conquer the land. 
And because of their disobedience, then they go into the wandering years. And they wander the wilderness. They can't go in. So after 40 years, they go through. And now we see Moses has died. And so in Deuteronomy, actually 38, verse number 9, it says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, it's not on the screen. Sorry, Robert. I didn't have that one. But it says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, and the son of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And the reason I brought that one up is because Moses knew I can't go. He had disobeyed God, and God had said, see this, you'll see it, that's as far as you get. Now, Joshua's going to be the one that takes him in. So you need to now hand over your mantle, pretty much, to Joshua. So Moses does. But this is what I love about Joshua. So Joshua kicks off in the book of Joshua, and it starts in Joshua chapter 1, verse number 1. It says, Now it came about after the death of Moses that the servant of the Lord, it said that the Lord spoke to Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross the Jordan, and all the people of the land which I am giving to them, the sons of Israel. But if we skip down to number 5, verse number 5, it says, No man will be able to stand before you in all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. I love this verse when it's talking about Joshua because this is God now giving himself to Joshua and showing himself to him. Because beforehand, it was Moses' God. Moses was the one that communicated with God for the people. But now Joshua has taken on this position that he is now the head over Israel. He's going to be the one to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. And it's a whole new season for him. But you see, God doesn't want us to go blindly without knowing who he is. Because if we step into a new season without knowing the faithfulness or the promises of God, then most likely we're going to have a hard time getting to the end result. Too many times I know there was a a minister, the name of Doug Jones, he was ministering for one of our Kingdom Institute graduations, and he started off and he said, the path at the beginning is well-worn, but at the end, it's hard to find. Because what he was saying is that so many people start the race. They start off strong, but yet by the time you reach the finish line, there's not as many people as what you started with. And that there's a problem that we're running into that people are not enduring into the end. Moses, as an example, was one of them. He disobeyed God because God commanded him and said, speak to the rock. And he struck it twice because of his disobedience. He lost the end result. He got to see it, but he didn't get to enter it. But you see, Joshua now is in this new season and God shows up to Joshua first thing out the bat. And he says, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. It's huge to have the God that you've been following that's done so many miracles through the wilderness is now speaking to you, telling you, listen, I got your back. I'm here with you. You follow my directions and you're not going to fail. But then he goes on to Joshua, verse number six. He says, be strong and courageous. For you, it says, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only 
be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, and do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. And I love verse number eight. Verse number eight says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. And so he's setting the guideline. He's setting the foundation with Joshua, and he's saying, listen, everything that you're about to do, it's going to fail unless you stick to this guidelines. You, I mean, keep the word before you. Keep it in your mouth day and night. Meditate on it, to mutter it, to keep it before you constantly. And he says, then that's when you will have success. And so we see Joshua now has done this new endeavor. And so when we look at Joshua, obviously we can take this back to our life because there's so many people that will start off strong and they start off in the word and they become a born again believer. I mean, who remembers the first time you became born again? I mean, it's an exciting day. It's a day that you never forget. And you can just, I mean, just imagine yourself back in that day, fresh, freshly saved. You were excited. You felt like you could conquer the world at that moment. Then what happened? Something changed on the inside. Then you walk out those doors and you realize, oh, I'm in the same mess that I was in whenever I came in this place. Great. Awesome. How do I fix this stuff? So Joshua has got all these messed up people that are coming out of the wilderness going into the promised land, but he's got one thing on his side now. A God that says, I will not fail you nor forsake you. So then we go on to Joshua chapter six. Joshua chapter six. We've all heard this story. We've seen it multiple times, but we're going to look at it in a different light. Joshua chapter six is the conquest of Jericho. And so the first thing that we have to see here is that number one, this is their first battle. They're coming out of the wilderness and Joshua goes to the people and it says in verse number two, the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. And it says with uh, its kings and all these warriors and you shall march around the city and all the men of war circling the city once and you will do this six days. Also, Seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. And he goes around and he starts going and listing every detail of this battle. For us, we look at this and we realize, that's not how you fight. Wait a minute. You're talking about you're going to battle and you want us to walk and say nothing and do nothing except for carry the ark and just go about. So we already see this is completely different than any historical battle in history. And so Moses, or Joshua is getting the rundown now from God. But the first thing we got to see is that we have to change our perspective in some of these battles that we're facing. Because sometimes the most dangerous thing that we do as believers is we go into a situation or we go through our Christian walk with this preconceived idea of how it's supposed to go. And I'll tell you this, when you have these preconceived ideas, 
they give you these preconceived expectations. And when expectations are not met, you get very, very sad. Just put it simple. You do. When you have an expectation of how something's supposed to play out and it doesn't go the way that you thought it should, you kind of take a step back and you go, that's not how I thought it was going to work. But what if I told you that God knew that's how it was going to work the whole time? What if I said God knew the plan that he had from the very beginning? So these people could have walked over, seen the fortified city, and said, man, we're going to go in there. We're going to start breaking it down brick by brick. That's how we fight this battle. We're going to climb over the tower. We're going to go through and defeat them. And God says, nope, you're not. You're going to walk six days, once, once around. But then on the seventh day, you're going to actually walk seven times. And so let's keep reading. And it says, verse number five, and, I shall, and it shall be when they make a loud blast of the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and then the people will go up every man straight ahead. And so Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns and before the Ark of the Lord. And then he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men go on before the Ark of the Lord. Verse number eight. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken the people the seven priests carried the seven trumpets of the ram's horn before the Lord and went forward and, uh, to blow the trumpets. And it says, the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor let your voice be heard nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you shout. Then you shall shout. So he's given the instructions, but here's the thing. Does Joshua know the rundown of what needs to take place? Yes. He knows the whole plan. Put yourself in the Israelite shoes. Their leader now comes over to them and says, hey, we're about to go to battle. All the armed men, get ready, get the Ark of the Covenant. Here's what we're going to do. Y'all are going to go walk. If I'm one of those Israelites, I'm going to be like, how far are we walking? How many times do we got to walk around this thing? Because in Scripture, he doesn't give them the whole plan. He just says, hey, this is what the Lord said, let's move. And we see that they obey. They, they activated their faith based on what Joshua had said. Okay, we believe Joshua heard from the Lord, let's move. So they go. And so they start walking. And they start walking. And he uh, said to the people, go forward and march around the city and let the armed men go before the ark of the Lord. And it was so when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests, and they go through, I'm already there. Okay, verse number 10. Uh, nope, already there. 12, there we go. That's where we're at. Now Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests carried the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, and they went on continually. And then we see in verse number 14, it says, Thus the second day they marched around the city once and returned, and they did this for six days. Then on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawning of the day. 
So just imagine each day. All right, everybody, get in your positions. Let's go. One time around, let's go back to camp. Wait, we didn't do anything. We haven't fought anyone. So all right, let's go back. Everybody get a good night's sleep. I'll see you first thing in the morning. For six days, they're walking around the city. There's no bricks falling out. There's no rocks falling from heaven hitting the walls. They see nothing change. They're sitting there wondering what is going on. But yet Joshua knows, I heard from God. He said that he will not fail me and he will not forsake me. So this is what we're going to do. So they're sitting there. All right, seventh day. Joshua knows this is going to be different. Something's going to happen today. So he wakes up early at dawn. And they walk around the city. And obviously we know that they walk around the city seven times that time. The seventh time around, Joshua commands him and says, everyone shout. And so they shout, they blow the trumpets. And then we know now that the walls of Jericho crumble and fall because of the power of God. And they go forward and they take, I mean, annihilate the whole town. And so the reason I'm bringing this story up is because I want to put it into our perspective. I've seen this story quite a bit of times, but where we fall is on the sixth day. Is we'll sit there and we'll be believing God. God, I thank you for providing all of my needs. I thank you, Lord, that you pay this bill in Jesus' name. I believe for a new car. And we'll sit there and we'll believe God. We'll believe God. But then all of a sudden our expectation becomes unmet. Well, God, I thought by now we would have this. God, I thought by now this would already be manifested. God, they shut off my lights. I thought that bill was going to get taken care of. And we sit there and we question, God, why is this going on? And then we abandon the one thing we were believing for. We just say, well, I guess it didn't work, so I'm going to move on to the next thing. But what we really didn't know is that we were on our sixth day. If we would have just walked around one more day, we would have seen the blessing that we've been believing for. But we see this all the time. I mean, especially in today's society, people want such a microwave gospel. They want something so fast, and I want all of my problems to be solved in that one service. If I go into church and I go on Sunday, it's going to fix every one of my problems. But yet it's taken you 15 years to get that addiction and you want God to solve it in one day. Can he do it? Absolutely. I've seen him do it. But the biggest problem is that sometimes you have to go through a process. The Bible talks about how we must renew our mind. We must be transformed. And that's not a one-time event. That's a every day waking up saying, God, I trust you. I'm getting in your word. I want to know you more. I want to have everything that you have for my life. And we see this constantly. And I mean, just think if they would have just stopped on the sixth day and said, nothing's happened. Not one rock has moved. I'm done. They would have never got to conquer and see God move. And so we have to understand that sometimes unmet expectations, they can be a downer. But we have to then put our mindset in God's perspective. God, when do you want to move? And this is where being led by the Holy Spirit is crucial. 
because he will speak to you. I mean, I love situations sometimes that when we don't know what we should say, the Holy Spirit says that he will give us the words to speak in that moment. There's been so many times in my life that I've gone into a situation before. I mean, just an example, there was a little friend of mine that he used to be like a little mini-me in Oklahoma growing up. Whenever he was 12 years old, he committed suicide in his bedroom. And so me and my mom, we were living in Florida at the time, so we flew back for his funeral. And so I was talking with Pastor Mark because he was the children's pastor in St. Augustine at the time, and he was just encouraging me. He said, listen, you're going into a war zone. He said, everyone there is fully connected. You've stepped out of it. So you see a different perspective. You can be an asset to those people now. He goes, yeah, it's horrible, and obviously it hits you hard. He said, but you can go and change something. And I remember the moment I walked into the church, I saw my children's pastor that I grew up with, and he was a wreck. I mean, an absolute wreck. And so the first thing I did is go over and I hugged him. He's a big old man, too. He's a big old man. And so I hugged him, and he just started bawling. And so I took him into the, one of the rooms in the church, and man, I got to encourage him. And yet, this was a bad situation. I got to encourage him of the hope that we have in that we knew where he was, and obviously he made a temporary, he made a permanent decision on a temporary situation. He gave up. He stopped on six. Instead of finishing his race, he said, no, I'm done. And so, yeah, it's, it's tough. But I, I love that moment because in that moment, I didn't know what to say. But I allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through me, and it was able to minister to him. He was able to gain control over his emotions and be able to be an asset to the family then. And it's in those moments that we realize that we got to have the leading of the Holy Spirit. We got to have the wisdom in these situations because Joshua wasn't going into this alone. He was going in because he had a spirit of wisdom on him. He was going in because he had the word of God in this situation. And so when we read on, it says, Verse number 20 says, So the people shouted, and the priests blew their trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpets, and the people shouted a great shout, the wall fell down flat. And so the people went up into the city. Turn the page. And every man straight ahead, and they took the city. So Joshua is a great example of how we are supposed to lead. Because he didn't want sit there and say, guys, listen, I don't know if God really said this or not, but we're going to try it. We're just going to give this a shot. He was fully committed to what God had had for him to do. And he said, you know what? I'm going to take this possession. I'm not going to give up. We're going to keep going. I guarantee you that if everyone would have told Joshua, no, we're not going, he would have gone. He had shown the character of it before. When him and Caleb came back as spies, they said, no, we can't take it. And they said, no, yes, we can. We can trust God. We can believe God for it. And so we see this example, and it's a great visual for us to remind ourselves that we can't give up even when it gets hard. Even when we feel like we don't know what the next step is. I mean, the thing I was always reminded of in Bible school is that they talked about how a boat that's moving is easier to steer, or a car that is being pushed along is easier to turn in different directions. 
And so they would always remind us and they say, you have to go back to the last thing you heard from God. And you have to stand on that. Don't forget it. Don't just assume, well, he hasn't told me to do something, so I'm just going to go someplace else. I'm going to do something else. He said, no, just trust God. Just stay in that position. But I want to show us what happens when we trust God, even in the toughest situations in our lives. And so let's go over to Acts chapter 16. Because obviously we see that they conquered Jericho and the walls fell flat. But we want to see a New Testament example. And the one that I was sitting there studying out just popped up so clearly. And it's found in Acts chapter 16, verse number 22. It says, The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the commanding the jailer to guard them securely. This is obviously talking about Paul and Silas. And so it says, and he was having, and it says, and he having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And so we see two men of God doing what God had commanded them to do, and all of a sudden they get a little ripple in their plan. I guarantee you, Paul probably at this point is used to it, but you wouldn't think following God and living the plan that God has for you would end you up getting beaten with rods, getting thrown into the darkest, nastiest prison, and then being bound up. Because why? You were preaching about a king and his kingdom. And so these guys are in this mess. I mean, it's a mess. But I love their position. Because you see, they had a different perspective on the situation. Paul especially. I mean, man, you study the life of Paul and you realize that guy was, he was from another planet almost. Because he realized that every part of this was for the gospel. He said, man, it's all worth it. This is, this is it. And so he's in this situation. He's in this position and yet, they decide instead of complaining or whining or crying to God, why me? Why am I here? Why am I in this position? Where are you, God? They don't sit there and they don't start playing the blame game. It's your fault, Silas. You should have been quieter. I don't know. But instead of doing that, I love their position that they took. I said, this just gives us a greater opportunity to sit down and just get with God for a moment. Get to worship him. Because they could have given up. They could have said, man, we're never getting out of prison. We're going to be here the rest of our life. We're going to die. No one even knows we're down here. But yet they said, no, we're going to worship God. We're going to praise him, even when it's dark and nasty. And I mean, if you study that out, it was nasty. It was, it was bad. Really bad. But... They go on and it says, And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. That's a key point. Remember that. And it says, And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. 
it's incredible to see God move in that's, I mean, such a mighty way. But just imagine if they would have not had that position, that perspective, that God, we trust you. We believe that you're with us. We're here. But going back to verse number 25, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. See, the aspect I want to bring out today is that your miracle isn't just for you, and that your endurance isn't just for you, and that, yes, we are called to endure and to consider it all joy, but you don't know who's watching you in the moment. And that, yes, Paul and Silas were in a bad situation. They could have been saying, oh, poor pitiful me. Why am I in this position? But yet they had a different perspective. They said, you know what? Because of God, he can get us out. He can get us through this. We've seen him do it before. And so the prisoners were taking note. We as kingdom citizens should go through a trial differently than everyone else. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that you can just act like there's nothing wrong. We have emotions, but we're not ruled by them. And so we have to understand that, yes, God's given us all these different emotions, but we don't allow them to dictate our faith. Where the children of Israel walked into a promised land that God said, this is yours. Every part of this is yours. They allowed their emotions of fear to say, they're bigger than us and they're gonna kill us. But yet, when they went to Jericho and Joshua was saying, we're gonna walk around these walls, the reason the walls were there was because of them. The backstory is that they were, every door was shut and locked because they were so scared of God's people. When you look at it through God's perspective, he says, you know that wall they built? That's because of you. Because they knew one day you're going to come and take what's yours. But you see, the devil does the same thing to us all the time. Is the devil locks up our stuff and we sit there and go, that's a big wall. We can't take, I mean, we're never going to achieve that. And God says, you willing to walk? How about we go seven days instead of six? How about we actually start walking instead of sitting there saying, well, Lord, if it's your will, just bring it on. He says, no, how about you become a conqueror and you go and actually take it? Because when we start having a perspective in God's eyes, we start seeing things through a different light. We start realizing, you know what? Satan, get your hands off my stuff. That's already mine. God's already given that to me. I'm taking control over it. You're not going to build a wall. But you see, in this situation, when we read on, and it says, suddenly there came a great earthquake. Obviously, that's God moving it. But in verse 27, it says, when the jailer awoke and he saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had all escaped. And Paul cried out with a loud voice, and he's saying, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he said, he called for lights, and he rushed in and trembled with fear, and he fell down before Paul and Silas. And I love this next verse. Because you understand, when you endure to the end, you get to see the promise of God fulfilled. And so, Paul and Silas are sitting here now. They're shouting out saying, hey, don't kill yourself. We're all still here. And it's a miracle. Guys that have been in prison for decades, the ones that are still alive, are still sitting there. Hadn't moved. Because it didn't just say Paul and Silas's chains fell off and Paul and Silas's door opened. It said every door and every chain was loosed. 
Because when the presence of God shows up, things start breaking off. Let's read the last verse. And it's in verse number 13, it says, And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He recognized that there's something different about these two. Because of their response, because of their position, the jailer said, there's something you have that I don't. I need it. What do I need to do? Obviously, this happened to Jesus whenever Nicodemus came to him. He said, how do I enter the kingdom of God? First of all, how did, what brought Nicodemus to him? It's because he said, you're my teacher. You're a rabbi. He said, good teacher. He had been listening to him. He had been watching Jesus. Even when Jesus went into the synagogues, he would go and he would read passages of scripture. People were amazed. Not because Jesus was knowledgeable or Jesus could read really well, but they said, you are one that speaks with one of authority. We realize that who we are in Christ sets us up for a position for people to come in for people to draw near to you, not to you, but to God who's in you. Joshua was able to lead a nation because he had God on his side. We have a new thing called the Holy Spirit that comes and he lives in us. They just had it on him. They were anointed by the Holy Spirit that they had a spirit of wisdom is what it said with Joshua. We have been given the promise of God that he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He, he desired us to have the Holy Spirit so much that he told his disciples, you wait here. Don't go anywhere. Just, just wait. Soon you'll receive this. But you see that people need to see our perspective. They need to see that we're not people to just here today, gone tomorrow. We're people that endure to the end. And so let's go over to James chapter 1. We'll be wrapping it up tonight on this passage. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, starting in verse number 2. It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so we love hearing this verse. We love hearing being perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But be perfect does not mean perfect. It means to mature. And obviously we know just in the physical body that you don't mature overnight. That you go through stages. There's an infancy stage that we all start in. That it's this innocent stage. We don't know better. We're having to be taught everything. Everyone has to do something for us. I mean, with Isaac, dear Lord, I'm not going to let the kid just go and make his own meal. I'm going to have to watch him. And I mean, he's getting teeth now. And so he's wanting to eat all sorts of big food. But he hasn't got the concept of that's too big of a bite. You can't handle that. So we're teaching him. We're working on him. But yet, then you move on to this childhood stage. And we all get there, and all of a sudden, we are just running rampant. I mean, we are wanting to touch everything, and we're wanting to grab everything and slap everybody we see and run through the bushes and, I mean, all those things. Then we get into our teenage years, or the adolescent years. I don't, I don't really agree with the adolescents. I think we can be in lessons. <laughs> but 
we get into those teenage moments where we think we got it all figured out. I learned from my older brother, man, you don't test mom and dad. I, I got to watch them. I watched all of his mistakes. And so whenever I was growing up, I was like, mm, not going to do that one because that didn't turn out too good. All right. But you see, we go through these stages. Then we get into the more mature young adults. We think we got it all figured out. We're figuring it out as we go. And then we get into full maturity as we get older. But you see how it's a stage that takes time, years. So many times, like I said before, people want this microwave Christianity. But in the kingdom of God, it's not a, here you are, everything's fixed. It's a day in, day out choice that we have to make. So some days when we say, you know what? I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm going to do what I want. It's another day we got to make up. But you know what's awesome about God? He said he is faithful and just to forgive us. He's patient. I mean, if you go and you read 1 Corinthians 13, it lists out everything that the agape love of God is. I mean, that's something that we should all be praying that we are. And I mean, Rick Renner has a version of it that is incredible. So deep, so deep. But you see that there's changes we make on the inside that in order to see these results, it's not just for you. It's not just about me winning my victory. It's about who am I going to impact in the moment? Who am I going to impact around me? And then if you read on in James chapter one, it goes on and it talks almost the whole chapter. But it says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like one of the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And this man or that man ought not to expect anything that he will receive anything from the Lord. It says, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. And so we see these contrast people now. We got the ones that are counter all joy. You can handle it. You can do it. You're being perfected. You're going to be matured in this process. And then he goes on and he talks about the one that says, you got to be all in. You can't be like this one that asks God, but doubts in his heart. Because how many times have we got in a situation where we say, God, you can do it. You're more than enough. And then all of a sudden we sit there and we stare at it a little bit longer and we go, I think you can. Maybe I need to start going to look something else. And all of a sudden we start doubting about, is God faithful? I mean, Pastor Mark ministered on this with cheese and giants with King David. I mean, he literally went before a, a giant, huge giant, conquered the giant. And the biggest thing for us, I remember this guy in St. Augustine was ministering to us as soon as we moved up here. And he had called me two weeks after we moved here. He said, hey, I want to encourage you, write down all of your giants. He said, you need to make sure this new season you're about to enter that you remember the giants that you've already slain. And he said, because if you will keep them before you, it'll keep your faith built up. Because so many times we get into a situation where we've seen God move. We've seen him do, I mean, miracles. But yet the next day we wake up and we so easily forget where we were just at. I mean, I know for a fact I've had to deal with this, so I know you guys probably have too, where you come into Sunday service and you feel defeated. 
and all of a sudden worship starts and the message gets preached and you are feeling like a giant slayer. You're saying, I got this. Then all of a sudden you wake up Monday morning and you're back in the same slump you were in just the day before. And it's a cycle. But you see, God is interested in breaking the cycle. He wants people that when they see a trial, they don't just automatically default to, oh, I wonder how this is going to turn out. No, they go back to what Joshua was planted in. They go back what with Paul and Silas were standing on. And they say, Lord, you're faithful. You are going to get us through this. You're going to conquer this for us. And in the midst of all the chaos, they were worshiping and it was affecting all those around them. And so we want to be people that not only conquer, but they are being the example for others. We want people to look at us and say, you know what? I need to go connect with Joshua. Joshua is one that I know will lift me up. I need people to surround me and get in my corner because Joshua wasn't alone in the Bible. He had people that were willing to go into battle with him, not even knowing the whole plan. But they said, hey, you got a word from God? That's good enough for me. Let's go. Paul wasn't alone in the prison. Silas was right there with him because he said, you know what? I know God's using you. I'm coming. Silas so easily could have gone, I don't know that guy. That guy's crazy. Do you hear what he's talking? That's crazy. But Silas said, no, I'm right there with him. And when they went into that prison, I love how it says the prisoners were listening. People are watching you. People are watching what you do. They're waiting on you to respond. And yes, sometimes we're all human. We all got to realize we mess up. But it's what you do after the mess up. I mean, I love what Pastor Mark's been saying here lately, especially to our staff and just, I mean, me personally. But he always reminds me, especially on this remodel project, that has been a giant, but it's, it's coming to a completion. But he always reminds me, hey, you can't screw it up. We can fix it. But if we take that mentality of, hey, there's nothing God can't fix. I mean, be bold, step out. Believe God for something that you haven't ever believed for. But don't give up on six. Don't stop short. Be all in. Joshua was all in. Paul and Silas, they were all in. All the disciples went fully committed to God. And so we need to be the same. Amen. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.